we're back on Inside Black and Gold. One more segment, one more trip around the sun of this of this here episode. And, you know, the first thing that we should talk about, because we didn't really get to it in the first segment, at least not in depth, is, man, who is going to play on this offensive line? You know, we heard from Dennis Allen after the game, and we played that audio on the last episode of the decision to bench Trevor Penning, why it happened. They wanted to give him perspective. They wanted to allow him to learn in the background. And so the question now is, how dedicated are you to that decision? Because it sure doesn't look like Ryan Ramchick or James Hurst is going to play. They were DNPs at both practices. You know, James Hurst is dealing with that ankle injury. It sure didn't look good. It sure looked like it was a more severe, right? It was the same ankle injury that he was dealing with ahead of the Patriots game. He played through it. Uh, he played through it last week until he couldn't, you know, and that, I think it was it was not so much of a recurrence of that injury as a, just another injury to the same ankle. And so I don't expect him to play. Ryan Ramchek went to the concussion protocol. It's almost impossible to get back from the concussion protocol in one week, let alone four days. So I think you, you're you going to have to figure that out. You're going to have to have a different right tackle and left tackle in this game than you started with last week. And, you know, uh, I'm just going to say this. I think this team is dedicated to the plan to sit down Trevor. I don't think that that they're going to look at it and say, well, we don't have James Hurst, so we're going to start Trevor a left tackle. I think they're going to find a way to get him on the bench. And, uh, you know, wh- whether that's trying to send a message or whether you believe what Dennis Allen was saying and they, they think this is the best way for him to grow, I, I think that's what's going to happen. That's definitely not encouraging to hear at all. Uh, I guess as a fan or even for, I don't know, what the future lies ahead for Trevor Penning, I don't know. I I thought that there was progress being made there. And I'm really curious to what's happened now where this team is taking this stance where now, instead of getting the reps, watching from afar is, is being more beneficial, especially in the situation right now too, which is weird. Yeah. Right. And you know, he got in there against the (laughs) Texans and I would have loved for that to be a moment where he's like, no, I'm going to prove you wrong. I'm going to go out there and I'm going to play great. You know, you could argue that he has worst game of the season. And, right, and maybe that's because he didn't get reps in practice. He wasn't prepared. And that might be an indictment on the decision to sit him down in the first place because clearly that didn't help him, you know? Um, but yeah, I, I, I'm not sure. But he didn't do anything in that game. He had two penalties. He allowed a sack. He allowed five pressures. He didn't even play the whole game. And so I don't I don't think you did anything. He did anything in that game to to make this team be like, ah, oh, you know what? Send him back out there. So So we'll see. One guy who we should get back this week uh, is who we're going to hear from right here. Season, we've seen James play right guard. We've seen Caesar play right tackle. Yeah. You know you can be available to play left guard or left tackle if needed. What, yeah. What's the mindset? Um, just, like I said, just locking in on the plan and uh, just having great preparation, you know, these next couple of days. And, you know, wherever, you know, wherever we're lined up, we're, you know, going to play and uh, give, give our 100% out there. Fans are yeah. like, who's that, Jeff? It's Andres Pete. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, so, you know, he he injured his groin in the last play of practice on Thursday ahead of the ahead of the Texans game. Apparently he was an emergency lineman, which is just funny to hear because like what what level of emergency is it when you move your right guard to right tackle a guy who's literally never played the position in his life that but that's not an emergency level of like getting Andres on the field. Anyway, he did play some special team snaps, but so you look at it and you say, OK. If you do sit down, Trevor, if you aren't playing Trevor, who are your options at tackle? And right now, 
it's so you could theoretically move Caesar back to right tackle. Guarantee you that is not something that they're that they're wanting to do. But you are in a situation where if you end up in a dire straits again, you at least know that he is somewhat capable of doing it. So I guess that's helpful to some extent. So one of their options is Andres Pete right there, who was talking about, you know, wherever they ask me to line up, that's where I'm going to go. And, you know, he was drafted as a tackle. He can play tackle. Um, I, I mean, I think it's a bold move if that's your decision, but that is an option. The other two options are currently on the practice squad in Cam Irving, a former for, former first rounder. They signed him a couple weeks ago. He's been sitting on the practice squad. There's a pedigree there, but who knows what to expect from him. We haven't seen him. You know, he wasn't here for the preseason. We didn't even get to see him play in the preseason. And the other one would be Mark Evans. You know, rookie UDFA has been sitting on the practice squad. He is a tackle. So I wouldn't be surprised if maybe you sign one of those guys to the active roster. If, if anyone goes on IR this week and you open up a roster spot, otherwise you have practice squad elevations you can take advantage of. And I think it's going to be one of those two guys starting at right tackle. And so you're, you're going to go from there, but you're not, not, it's not good. It's definitely not good. And when I'm talking about like, what can you run? A lot of it's going to be contingent on, okay, what can we trust our, a backup right tackle and left tackle to do? And, um, that's going to be a major story of this game. Is there any inkling? I know he's been not practicing either on a guy like Landon Young on how how he is and like how far out is he from coming back? That's a good point. I didn't mention Landon. You know, he's dealing with a hip injury. Yeah. He hasn't. Pra- he, he would have been a DMP to the first two days here. If there was any indication that he'd be coming back, it would be in these two days. Like, I don't <laughs> think you don't go from a DMP for two weeks to playing on Thursday night football. Oh. <laughs> um, so no, I don't think it's in the cards. He's dealing with a hip injury and it's gotten, it's gotten to a point where it's like, what are, what are all these long-term injuries and guys aren't on IR. So like you're theoretically expecting them back. I like Jawan Johnson, you know, these guys have been on injured reserve. These guys have been out with injuries forever and nine of, none of them seemed hyper significant, right? Like, it's not like you saw them go down in a game, get carted off the field or anything. It's just like warming up against the, against the head of the bucks. And it's like, Oh, he, he tweaked that, that calf and haven't seen, hasn't heard from him since uh, Lonnie Johnson is a guy who has been out for a while, but it does seem like he's going to get back this week. So at least that's you know one of the Johnson twins getting back on the field. But yeah, I mean, that, that's kind of my read on the offensive line is, you know, I think that Trevor is going to be a backup this week to whoever starts at left tackle. And uh, you're going to have to go from there. I think you're going to see Max Garcia get that start at left guard again. And, uh, you know, hopefully, you know, it is kind of crazy when you think about how last week started versus how last week ended. You the, the, to kick off the game. You had left tackle James Hurst, then Max Garcia at left guard, Eric McCoy at center, Cesar Ruiz at right guard, Ryan Ramchek at right tackle. By the end of the game, it was her. Or it was Penning, Garcia, McCoy, <laughs> Saldaveri, and then Cesar Ruiz over at right tackle. And then you talk about like continuity on the offensive line. I mean, that's even even by the Saints standards the last several years where you were playing games without either tackle and Armstead and Ramchek were both dealing with injuries. And it's like it still wasn't this bad. No, that's why the way things were unfolding last game, way after the turnover was turned over, you, you, tur- you gave back the turnover. Everything just seemed it was like the the no good, bad, horrible day, whatever you want to you know say. Nothing went right there, and yeah, the offensive line, which hasn't has been a huge question, just keeps getting dinged up more and more. And I I don't really 
I don't know what to make of the penning situation right now. I know fans obviously aren't happy with it. I don't think we're happy with it either. And how, how does he get back in the good graces with the team? And we see the, and, and any kind of inkling that he's a first round talent uh, capable of lasting uh, here in the NFL, because right now, I know folks are just calling him turnstile already, which isn't great. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, I, I, it's, it's tough. I mean, it's, he's still a young player. There's, there is, there as Mickey Loomis might say, growing pains involved here. I'll be, um, I'll be a devil's advocate. I, I remember mock drafts looking at a guy, Osiris Torrance. And I hear on like NFL, good morning uh, football. Osiris Torrance hasn't given up a sack yet this season in Buffalo. And I'm like, Oh, oh who could use that guy right now? <laughs> well, he's a guard. Does, he's not I hear tackle. you, but I, I'm just saying it was someone that I at least was a possibility for this team we knew in the draft, and and for whatever reason they did not pursue. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't have an issue with the players they've draft they drafted this past season. Like, I don't think they would be like you weren't you weren't looking for a garden draft, and you didn't you you ended up getting Saldivari in the fourth round, a guy you like. So I'm not, uh, yeah, I don't know. Like, I'm not going to say like, oh man, how could they not draft Osiris Torrance? Not um, just specifically him. It just seems like they've missed a lot on the O-line, unfortunately. I mean, no, I, don't, I don't know about that. You know, Eric McCoy was a good draft pick. Cesar Ruiz, I feel like, you know, might've been a little out of left field, but he hasn't been terrible the last two years. Like, I don't think they've missed per se. You know, Ryan Ramchek was a great pick when they, when they made it. That's 2017. It's not exactly a lifetime ago. Uh, right. Tehran was great when they made that pick. Um, Andres, Andres, you know, you can say what you want about him. He's been on, he's like a three-time pro bowler at guard. It's not like, I don't know how he's a three-time pro bowler because he's good, but he's rarely around. <laughs> well, sure. But like you're, I mean, I, I don't know when you're drafting a player, you're not going to be like, we can't draft him because in the crystal ball, it told us that he's going to break his forearm. No, no but it, I'm just surprised he's lasted even this long in new Orleans still. Yeah, I, I just, I mean, I, I don't know. Like, it's easy to, in hindsight, to say, wow, they should have drafted this guy. But yeah, yeah, all you I know. Can do I'm not is, trying to play evaluate the decisions as they were made. And, you know, like, I don't know. I, 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 I'm not going to quibble over, you know, you needed a left tackle. You went and got the best left tackle on the board. And that was the case, right? Which you, you could have Bernard Raymond. He's not exactly, you know, a guy that's blowing up either. Like, that's it's kind of where your options were at. And so I, I don't know. E- either way, it's you got to make it work with the guys you have. And unfortunately, offensive linemen get hurt, and you got to figure that out. I just, think, I mean, I think from the Saints' perspective, it's like you got to figure out how to stop your offensive linemen from getting concussed once every three weeks. Like that's that's the biggest issue they're having right now. Not necessarily the production. It's it's they can't they can't avoid head injuries, which is crazy. Like you like that shouldn't be something that's happening. Michael Ryan Ramchak already wears this crazy like fucking space age helmet. Like, isn't that supposed to help? Like, what is happening anyway? So no, that, that's a great question. What's what's being taught in classroom then, kind of thing? And do you start looking? I know obviously Carmichael's gone on a, a ton of fire. I haven't really you know had the pitchforks and fire coming out for Doug Marone at all yet. Yeah, yeah you don't hear you don't hear the average fan diving in and even knowing who the offensive line coach is most of the time. Right, right. Yeah, obviously, they some people do, but you know, it's not like you know you're watching a game and you'll be like, "Damn, that Doug Marone!" Ah, <laughs> um, oh, curses. Anyway, so let's let's wrap this up with the X factors because that's what we do. And so, if you're looking at X factors on offense, we already talked about the offensive line. So let's 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 not let's not to go too hard on 
on any other position there. Who who are your X factors on on offense? Uh, I definitely want to see the uh, the passing game be more successful in this game against a Jacksonville squad that has given up a, a good amount of passing yardage. They've been stout against uh, the run, it seems, and I, I, I haven't. I've been wanting the, the Saints run game to get going. I'm just not expecting it to be uh, Thursday night, but I, I'm looking. I'm going to look for Mr. Derek Carr to, to finally put it together in the red zone. That's going to be the biggest thing. I'm not going to even say move the team down the field because they've been able to do that, but I'm, I'm looking for him to be successful in the red area. Hopefully he can get three or three, four, four kind of deal. Um, I, I just want to see that good decision-making and being able to get rid of the ball a lot quicker as well, too. But I think Derek Carr is definitely that X factor for this damn Saints offense's game. Yes. Now, you sound like Dennis Allen with the the red area thing. and I don't know why. That's one of the more annoying things to me that he says is the red area. Just call it the red zone. Like, who are you trying to – what are you trying to prove with the red area? What is better about that? I don't Um, know. Just a different way of saying it. No, it's just funny to me because he's – that's like something that he always says. He says the red area, which – like, I don't know. It's like everyone calls it the red zone, but for some reason, like he very, very like clearly calls it that he must call it that for a reason. I don't know. Well, yeah, Tom, maybe Tom we, need, Coughlin, we need it to be the green zone. Well, that's what I was going to say. Yeah. Tom Coughlin used to call it the green zone. Okay. Um, And like I, I at least understand the meaning there, which is like green means go red means stop. So yeah. like, it's like, trying to just like a mental gymnastics thing of trying to get that into people's heads, which is like, no, we're not getting to the, you're not trying to get there. You are trying to score from there, right? It's not about getting there and stopping. It's about getting there and scoring. Um, And so like, but like red area does not change it. Anyway, I I don't know. Zone. Green zone. Green zone. Yeah. Anyway. So I I agree with you. And, you know, I'll I'll go like I need to see consistent effort from Chris Olave. I really do because he is, you know, and and like you can it's tough because he is that talented. Right. So it's like you're being hard on him, but it's because you expand more. Right. Yeah. Like you, you have the talent to to be out there in dominating games. And it just feels like you don't get that all the time. You get that in stretches and you make these fantastic catches and then that's always going to be there. But, you know, even like there's plays where you need to run to sell a clear out. Like just because you were clear out and you're not an option on that play, you can't just run half speed and and allow the defense to know that that's not like the whole point of that is for you to, is to, for you to clear them out. And if they, if they can tell just by the way you're running, that you are not the, that you are not the first read on this play that you were just running a clear out, then, then that kind of defeats the purpose of you running a clear out. Right. Like even like if it's Adam Prentice, I still want to see him running. It's like they're they're not going to be like, oh, they're definitely going to throw a fade to Adam Prentice here. No, but like you got to make them react anyway. So that's to me, that's that's my X factor is like, can you get that consistent 100 out of 100 effort from Chris Olave when when things aren't going well, when things aren't when the ball is not going to him three times in a row, when when you're asking him to be a decoy, because right now I don't think you're getting it. So that's that's my X factor. Um, now let's we can we can shift over to defense. Who, who are you looking at on the defensive side? Who? Uh, it's definitely got to be up front. And I guess I mean it's it's easy to pick Carl Granderson right now because he's been a force. But uh, just in general, I'll say D line just getting pressure on whichever quarterback is present because 
Um, we know Lawrence is hurting and Bethard is an, you know, inexperienced, uh, a guy that's been around the block, a veteran kind of, you know, quarterback, but he really hasn't been doing uh, much uh, for this squad. And we definitely don't want CJ Bethard, you know, picking apart this team. And I'm sure could, if he's given the, 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 the too much time in the pocket or whatever, but yeah, just, just being able to apply that pressure consistently and not at, Oh, it, it happened in the first half. It didn't happen in the second kind of thing. Uh, I just want a, a constant force up front f- from everybody. I, I agree. It's the D-line. I, I don't know if it's necessarily pressure because I don't think the Jags are going to be dropping back and throwing 30 times in this game. You have to be able to stop Travis Etienne in the run game, yeah. regardless of which quarterback is in there. And you like that's you lost that game against the Texans in the first half because you allowed Damian Pierce and Devin Singletary to run all over you. And so got Colin Saunders, Nathan Shepard, Brian Brzee, not so much Brian because he's more of a run de- or a, like a pass downs player at this point in his career. But, you know, th- like those are the guys that, I, you know, I need to see consistent effort and energy and, and you need to stop the run. You need to stuff the run. Um, Cause when you can do that, then you can worry about the pass rush. Then you got to force them into passing situations. And that's what the Saints did in the second half against the Texans. They, like, they'll tell you, like, they didn't make any adjustments, but the biggest adjustment was not allowing four or five yards on first down, specifically first down. That's where you get into trouble as a defense. And that's what happened against the Bucs. Like, the Bucs didn't run for a ton of yards, but Rashawn White and Keyshawn Vaughn, I think Rashad White and Keyshawn Vaughn, you know, they were constantly picking up chunks, three to four or five yards. And I mean, as an offense, that's not a big play offense. That's not going to go over the top and just methodically move down the field. You kind of need that. You need that early yardage because if you're second and 10 is very difficult. You need to execute. And if you don't, third and 10 is, you know, especially against this defense, that's going to get after you. A lot of times it feels impossible. And that's when, yeah, the pass rush gets to you. But you know, I, I need to see this defense really be stout up front and not have to send pressure, not have to send run blitzes. You know, they need to be able to just clog things up. And I think they can do that. And I think this Jags offensive line isn't fantastic. Like, they just need to be able to assert themselves and and not get blown off the snap. And if they can do that, then, you know, I think this Jags offense is going to have a really hard time moving the ball because they're not going to want to run shot plays. They're not going to want to drop Trevor Lawrence and, and have him take a seven-step drop and try to find someone downfield and risk someone coming in and, like, blowing him up. Um, even if it's a penalty, right? Like I think the Saints are going to try to get after him. When you when you have a quarterback back there that you know is dealing with an injury, you know you're not going out there and trying to hurt a guy, but you are going to make him feel you. You are going to hit him, and you're going to see how he reacts. And I I think the Jags are well aware of that. So you need to force them out of the ability to just to just go three yards in a cloud of dust and pick up first downs. So that's my expectation. And now I feel like, too, I'm going to be like the Cajun Cannon right here. He mentions, obviously, that turnover margin every week. But, man, oh, man, this this Jag squad, we know they are ball hawking right now. They lead the NFL in takeaways. That's a, that's a big, I won't say scary point, but de- definitely something to be concerned about going into the matchup. Got to hold on to the damn ball. Yeah, that is one thing. You know, if you want, if, if you want to pick out positive traits from this Saints offense so far, it has been that they haven't turned the ball over. Right. Like the, the turnover on Zach Bond, obviously that's a fumble, but it doesn't go against the offense. Like they had nothing to do with that. The interception at the end of the game, fourth down, you're trying to make something happen. That's not an, a turnover that I'm going to be like, how, you know, like you, you kind of like, that's the type where you say, yeah, that's just anytime the turnover is on the last play of the game. It's not the same as the turnover. Like the one CJ Stroud threw, that was a bad interception. 
right? Like that's a, that would have set them up in a terrible position in terms of being behind and giving the Saints the ball and plus territory. You haven't really seen a ton of that from the Saints offense. So, you know, that's one positive thing, right? Like if you need to pull out positive traits, you know, if he threw one, a bad interception in week one at the end of the first half. He threw a bad interception in week two at the end of the first half. Other than those, I think Derek Carr has protected the ball pretty well. And it's what's kept you in, in these games, even the ones that you did struggle in, right? Like Adam Prentice fumbled. You know, he's not a guy who should even have the ball. So again, that's, an, that's a turnover that like you're, you're just like, well, I can't blame the Derek Carr offense for that. I was, think, I was thinking I can't recall another fumble on the offense besides Prentice, but I'm sure there there has been a lost fumble. No, I don't think so. Okay, no, they haven't turned the ball over much at all. Yeah, that, I mean, uh, uh, fumble wise, I couldn't like I said, I couldn't think of anything besides the Prentice deal, and obviously Zach Baum, but that doesn't go on. <laughs> that doesn't go on the offense. Oh, uh, let's see. So fumbles. Bum bum bum. Adam Prentice fumbled once, lost it. Jamal Williams fumbled, but got it back. That's it. Right. So uh, that that's good. They're keeping the ball snug. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I mean, like, like again, you know, Derek Carr has, has three interceptions. Again, so one of those was at the end of the game. So it's not really, you know, the issue is, the, the issue isn't the interceptions. The issue is that, you know, through through six weeks, he has as many touchdown passes as Jameis had in week one against the Packers a couple of years ago. Five. Wow. <laughs> yeah. It's a problem. They got to fix that. Um, but yeah. No, no. I don't, and you betters out there, if you've been taking the under with the Saints, you've won every week. Yeah, even against the Patriots because uh, the uh, it was because like they scored they, 34, but the Patriots scored zero. Yeah, so you're, exactly. you're probably right. Yeah. <laughs> Life's too short to bet the under. Unless you're a Saints fan. Unless you're a Saints fan, then it's just prudent. <laughs> um, all right. That's going to be it for me. This is Inside Black and Gold. It's going to be it from us, I should say. This is Inside Black and Gold. Right, I'm, I'm just going to hang out here. Yeah, he's, <laughs> I'm Jeff Nowak, and that's and that's the picture. Steve Geller. Um, <laughs> sometimes we hear words from it. Uh, <laughs> all right. Thanks, everyone, for listening. You can follow me at, on Twitter at Jeff underscore Nowak. You can follow Steve at Steve Geller, WWL. You can follow the show at Saints underscore pod. Check out WWL.com for words and other stuff, sound and other stuff, analysis, all that good stuff. Subscribe if you haven't already. Leave us a rating. Leave us a review, please. Do appreciate it. You know, Jim from Covington is always also very nice. Oh, well, yeah, I should mention there. Was someone, uh, I when I was in uh, New England, someone came up and said that they listen to the podcast, and I, I appreciate that. I didn't get their name. I was so I was like completely, you know, flustered in terms of like I was getting off the field and I was trying to make sure I could find the post game press conferences. So I was kind of like, oh yeah, yeah, yeah you're great, <laughs> but I do appreciate that. So thanks. I, I didn't catch his name, but I appreciate the, who, whoever that was. Um, the New Eng- inside black and gold, New England faithful. Yeah. There's a good amount of saints fans there. You know, it's funny. Like we talk about, it's like, okay, saints fans are traveling well, but you know, they're going to, they're going to get fed up and they're not going to travel after a certain point. You know, I, I know, I, I know there was a lot of people who were posting like uh, that. They spent a bunch of money to go to Houston and you know, <laughs> they were like, well, this was a waste of money. I'm like, yeah, it's tough. It's tough, but that's part yeah, of the hopefully, hopefully, the folks don't feel that way about Thursday night because the the Saints fans, def- the Saints team, definitely needs the fans and as much help as they they can get right now. Agreed. But all right, thanks everyone for listening. We will be back on Friday morning with a post game pod. Nor- normally, home games I would do a post game, but the night games, like I'm not going live at midnight. No one, you know, I don't. I don't think anyone would 
would rather us go live at midnight so we'll probably do that friday morning um maybe around 10 we'll, we'll probably go live and, and figure that out so everyone can hopefully revel in the the success of the saints uh we'll, we'll make it a sting yeah we'll, we'll take the sting out of things for sure that would be nice but all right y'all thanks for listening who that go saints tune in thursday three o'clock first take for more of me and jeff i know you can't get ah! so much all right y'all be easy peace